The Justice League of America, the combined might and power of the Man of Steel and the Cosmic Crusader, the Winged Avenger and the King of the Sea, the Tiny Titan and the Scarlet Streak, all working together for good against evil as the Justice League of America. The Man of Hey everybody, welcome to episode 84 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and on this episode we're going to take a brief interlude from my coverage of Filmation's The New Adventures of Superman and The Adventures of Superboy by taking a look at three different shorts that were produced by Filmation and aired during the uh, Superman and Aquaman Hour Adventure, which covered which covered season two of the show, and it's it's three segments that Superman appeared in. Three segments of Justice League of America, and specifically the episodes Between Two Armies, Target Earth, and Bad Day on Black Mountain. You're going to find that most of these episodes I'm going to talk to are similar, involves the Justice League, five members, which is led by Superman. There's also Familiar Leaguers, Green Lantern, Hawkman, The Flash, and The Atom. No sign of Justice League staples like Batman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman in these cartoons, despite the fact that the image I'm using to display this episode has Batman and Aquaman in it. So just ignore that. That was the best picture I could find of the Filmation Justice League. Just two members short, let's say. But before I get to talking about the Justice League of America episodes, I have some feedback to address. And this is from Dave McElvenny. And Dave is writing in on episode 76. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. I like the fact that you tested the idea that, between the narrator and the habit of the characters describing their own actions, it's possible to follow these cartoons by listening without actually seeing them. It's probably true in general, and as you noted, it's usually better to show rather than tell. I think I'm beginning to develop a preference for the Superboy stories over the Superman ones. Certainly, I think Crypto, the super-seeing eye dog, and the Black Knight were my favorite segments this time. The Super Seeing Eye Dog story, story reminded me of a Superboy story from Adventure Comics number 259, The Blind Boy of Steel, in which he isn't actually blind, but had developed a vision power that turned whatever he looked at into a diamond, so he has to cover his eyes, with Crypto leading him like a seeing eye dog until Crypto discovers a way to cure him. The Black Knight is a great story for youngsters who love knights in armor and King Arthur. Thanks for more fun podcasting goodness. Live long and prosper. And as always, I would like to thank Dave for his feedback. You can, uh, Feel free to send in your feedback as well at manascreen at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, I just want to tag on to what Dave wrote. And you know what? I'm getting to the point, too, where, you know, I do like the Superboy stories. There's a little more to them. Uh, you know, you get to see Superboy make mistakes and things like that. So you get to see him kind of learn his lesson. Especially, you know, a few episodes like The Great Space Race comes to mind where Superboy didn't think about what he was doing and prevented an, some alien police from catching their criminal. You know, things like you wouldn't expect in a Superman cartoon are possible during the Superboy segments because, you know, he's kind of, his time as Superboy is on-the-job training, so to speak. And and the Black Knight story is just a lot of fun, you know. Anytime you get to see King Arthur in a DC comic, anything is always a fun time. And one of my favorite bits of that story was uh, Clark's friend, the wide-eyed boy Timmy, who was just soaking in the experience of being a kid in King Arthur's court. So that was just a fun episode. I'd have to look back at my notes to see even which Superman episodes were discussed that episode, but since Dave didn't have any comments on them, I am not going to revisit them. Alright, so here is how this episode is going to work. Now that I'm done with feedback, I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about it, about the Justice League of America and how it came to be the Filmation cartoons. Hang around, folks. Take the Earth's mightiest heroes 
each an invincible champion of justice and band them together to assemble the legendary Justice League of America. For 261 issues and three annuals, the DC Universe was defended from threats on Earth and beyond by this legendary team, operating from a cave in Happy Harbor to a satellite orbiting 22,300 miles above the Earth to uh, Detroit. Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast, will follow the League through all their evolutions. Please join your host, Mike Peacock, as I seek to cover all of the issues of the classic pre-crisis Justice League of America series. Through the magic of the JLA transporter, each issue will be randomized, with special episodes covering a complete story arc if needed. Along with the issue coverage, we shall also look at what the then-current members of the Justice League were up to in solo appearances in other comics for the JLA cover month issue. So do not hesitate to activate your JLA signal device for Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast on classicjla.podbean.com or by subscribing through iTunes. All right, welcome back, folks. I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, Justice League as they appeared in uh, the Filmation cartoons. It's almost appropriate that this episode is coming out when it is with the recent Justice League movie having come out a couple of weeks ago. That's still doing, you know, okay in theaters. That's a disappointing start, but it, it's probably going to hang around for the next two weeks until Star Wars uh, takes the box office and pretty much turns it on its head like Star Wars seems to do once a year these days. But since I'm also a Star Wars fan, I definitely have no complaints about that. At least none that I'm going to talk about on, on this particular podcast. All right, so as far as the Filmation Justice League goes, the team is made up of Superman, Adam, Hawkman, Green Lantern, and Flash. The full cast of the Justice League of America included Bud Collier as Superman from the Filmation short. Pat Harrington Jr. played the role of the Adam. Ray Owens was the Flash. And Vic Perrin was Hawkman. The episodes were produced by executive producer Alan Duchovny. Producers were Norm Prescott and Lou Scheimer. Music quote was by John Gart. Art direction was by Don Christensen. And the director was... And the directors were Norm McCabe, Hal Sutherland, and Lou Zucor. Surprisingly enough, Aquaman is not a part of it. Despite being one of the featured heroes in this season being called the Superman and Aquaman Hour Adventure. And he even appears in the... Justice League of America theme song, but doesn't appear in any of the three episodes. And despite his appearance on the cover image of this episode, it does not appear as though Batman was ever intended to appear in Justice League of America cartoons. The uh, live-action Adam West series was running at the time, so I wonder if there was kind of a rights issue regarding access to Batman. Or it might have been the simple fact that, you know, at this time, late 60s, Batman may not have had the clout or the draw that he has today, where now... It just seems like everything uh, DC puts out has Batman in it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So. These particular Justice League episodes, which you may or may not want to call them the precursor to the Super Friends, which will premiere in 1973, and which we'll be cover I'll be covering during the next leg of the podcast. So these episodes came- were released on DVD in the DC Superheroes The Filmation Adventures on August 12, 2008. This particular DVD set features 18 cartoons starring Hawkman, Green Lantern, The Flash, The Atom, The Teen Titans, and The Justice League of America. Basically, all of the episodes that were part of the Superman-Aquaman Hour of Adventure that didn't feature 
Superman or Aquaman, or Superboy for that matter. And then as a part of the half-hour Aquaman segment of the Superman-Aquaman Hour Adventure, the Superman segment was also a half-hour with two episodes of The New Adventures of Superman and an episode of Superboy. This was the first time in which the two guest heroes would star in their own seven-minute episode, sandwiched between two Aquaman stories, where on the Superman half-hour, the Superboy segment was sandwiched by the two Superman segments. There was no corresponding Aqualad story. Aqualad was included in the Aquaman stories. So the guests, like I mentioned above, included the Green Lantern, Hawkman, the Justice League, Teen Titans, Flash, and the Atom. All of the adult heroes that had segments of their own, except for Aquaman, appeared as part of the Justice League. So Superman, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Flash, and Atom. No real reason for Aquaman to be excluded from this, except for the fact that when you look at the animation and some of the locations that you saw the Justice League in the, these three filmation cartoons, they're all desert. Not much water to be had, so maybe there was a story reason for not including Aquaman in the episodes. And perhaps somebody at some point had thought about making more Justice League episodes and planned to include Aquaman later. I mean, there's really no way to know, but what we do know is that there were only three episodes of Justice League produced by Filmation, and Aquaman and Batman were not in them. So if you could just put out of your mind the fact that Aquaman is in the opening sequence as you heard when this episode started, it's wrong. There's no two ways about it. Perhaps there was intent to put Aquaman in and it never just happened. So these, you know, other hero adventures, for lack of a better term, guest heroes, they were generally regarded as very faithful adaption to the comic book mythos of the time. However, you know, Filmation did add secondary characters in the Hawkman, Green Lantern, and Adam shorts, which will, which won't be covered on this podcast, but... According to what I've read, I think it was on Wikipedia, that there were occasional omissions, such as Robin's complete absence from from the Teen Titans episodes. Which, like I mentioned, perhaps that was some kind of issue regarding the inclusion of Batman-related characters in Season 2. It, apparently, it wouldn't be much of a problem in Season 3, as, again, the show will get repackaged as the Batman-Superman adventures. At which point, the whole glut of Batman characters, including the King Crusaders themselves, will show up. But no Batman-related elements in Season 2. I can only guess that DC wasn't ready to give Filmation the licenses to those characters because of the Adam West series at the time. I don't know. The studio system back then wasn't what it is now. Like I said, all I have is speculation so being that i'm done speculating and have nothing further to add to my speculation let's uh, move on and talk about these episodes so i'll take another quick break play another podcast promo and then we're going to come back with three episodes of justice league of america hang around folks justice league international blah ha ha podcast a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the jli era by keith giffen and jm dematteis we'll be going issue by issue in release order tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the Quarterly Book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter Batman Doctor Fate Black Canary Fire Ice Maxwell Lord Oberon Captain Marvel Rocket Red Captain Adam Mr. Miracle Guy Gardner Booster Gold Blue Beetle Nort And many, many more. Justice League International Blahaha Podcast Part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network Want to make something of it? 
All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into my coverage of the Justice League of America Filmation episodes. And we're going to start with Between Two Armies. This was written by George Cashton. Original broadcast date was September 9th, 1967. And all of our synopses are brought to you by Wikipedia. The warring factions of the Rock People and the Crystal People from Mercury use Earth as a base for their conflict. The Justice League of America must bring peace to the warring factions before Earth ends up in the crossfire. Okay, so my first point is Mercury, apparently, also has rock and crystal people. No mention of the fire people that we saw in the episode where Superman learned to breathe fire after drinking that potion. I don't even care to remember what that episode's title was. Something along the lines of Superman being stupid. But anyway, as far as this episode goes, we start with two spaceships crashing on Earth, and here we see the crystal people and the rock people are fighting a war... And Earth is kind of going to be the battlefield. I guess they don't want to destroy their own uh, planet at the moment and are quite happy to mess up Earth. Here is our first look at the Justice League of America responding to the emergency. Superman is taking the lead with Hawkman and Green Lantern flanking him. And it appears as though Superman is giving the orders. And you know, I personally love seeing Superman in a position of leadership in the Justice League. You don't see that so much nowadays, but he's always been kind of a big deal. Nowadays, you know, DC Comics wants to shove Batman down our throat because he makes the money. And, you know, even now there was a push in the recent Justice League movie to make Wonder Woman be kind of the central figure because of how well her movie played both for audiences and critics alike. But one thing that movie showed and... And one thing you're going to see here is that this league revolves around Superman. He's he's the big guy, as we're going to see. Like most filmation animation, it's very basic and static. Superman flies and punches, and flying objects don't move in the fashion you would think they would. They move very uh, two-dimensional, like a picture, uh, like an old Nintendo game. You know, where you're flying a spaceship and you can only move the ship up and down. There's no toward you or away from you. That's kind of how, how this animation looks. Very uh, two-dimensional. No depth to it. And then we get to see two more Justice Leaguers, a Flash and the Atom, as Hawkman calls them to intercept a spaceship that's burrowing down on the Earth. Now, the first thing that jumped out, out at me in this episode is the Flash called the Atom Squirt. Could you imagine if that happened today, either in a comic or, you know, in a cartoon or something? Could you imagine one hero calling another Squirt? And this is not the last time I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to get to this even more in the next episode, but, I mean, that's something you call a small child. And I don't even know if anyone today still uses that. I know way back when I was growing up in the 80s, my dad called me squirt when I was little. I don't know, I've never called either of my kids that. Although I will say my oldest daughter, who's six right now, watches far too much Full House and would probably pull a, don't call me squirt on me. But, you know, I don't know of anybody who uses that. If you know anybody who still uses that term to describe a kid, let me know. I think it was used more widely when I was a kid and not so much now. So... Adam sneaks onto the ship using his shrinking power and telling the Crystal People to stop what they're doing and Hawkman uses some kind of weapon on his hand to create a hull breach. And then he gets into the ship that way. So, you know, I really don't have very much to say about Hawkman. I I know enough about the Hawkman character to get by. You know, I know they have, this version of Hawkman is Egyptologist Carter Hall and the Adam is obviously Ray Palmer, but... The Atom, when he's in his costume, and you really don't actually see him as Ray Palmer at all as a character, you just see him in the third episode I'm going to talk about, Bad Day at Black Mountain, in a lab for a few minutes. So you don't see any of his civilian personality, but the Atom plays very young, almost like he's in his early 20s and the rest of the characters are full adults. You know, he's, got, he's much more wide-eyed than uh, the rest of them. So this is when we learn that the Crystal Men are destroying the Rock People because the Rock People want to destroy their home planet of Mercury. 
So obviously, for no reason other than because they can, they brought their war to Earth. Now I'm looking at these rock people. I'm not sure what they look like, but I'll tell you what they do not look like. Rocks. They look more like seedlings in their little green uniforms. They look like friggin' raisins. So, I like how Superman seems to take the leading strategy as he sends the leaguers on their various mission. Hawkman points out that the uh, Rockmen's plans will destroy Mercury and kind of screw up the gravity in the system. So he knows uh, some of his science. I, if you crystal men didn't cause that cosmic storm, who did it? The Rockmen were testing their apparatus. Now they will beam a signal that will destroy the nuclear core of Mercury. Great Icarus! That could blow up the planet and wreck the whole solar system! We've got to prevent that! Right. Green Lantern, you'd better get to Mercury and destroy that nuclear core. You, Hawkman, get to your ship and intercept that beam, if necessary. And if possible! I'll go find those Rockmen, hopefully before they fire their beam. Go, men, go! We'll guard these Crystal Men! So Superman sends Green Lantern and Hawkman off to save Mercury while Superman goes after the Rockmen. Apparently there is nothing for Flash and Adam to do as neither one of them can go into space, so that's all she wrote for them. So Superman will explode in on the Rockmen, but he's too late, and Hawkman and his Hawkship intercepts the beam, giving Superman the chance to destroy the, the weapon with one super punch. Meanwhile, at Mercury's core, the Green Lantern is being watched by Crystal Men who are firing at him, you know. I guess you could say they're kind of ungrateful, but, you know, they don't know his intentions. They don't know that, you know, he wants to find peace in the war. He does not want to see Mercury destroyed and Earth's orbit to be all messed, so. He's going to try to talk some sense into the Crystal Men. So, Green Lantern deactivates their orb of power, but, you know, they don't want to be at the mercy of the Rock Men, but apparently they, they believe they are now, and, uh... Nice work, Adam! What are these characters up to? We are Crystal Men from Mercury. We have no quarrel with you. We come to destroy our enemies, the Rock People. Why do you want to destroy them? Because at this moment, they are preparing to destroy our planet from here. Interesting uh, animation here, as Green Lantern creates a hammer with his ring. But it's yellow, in a coloring error, obviously. But I, the irony is not lost on me that a coloring error made Green Lantern's hammer yellow. As at that time in the comics, yellow did not affect the ring of the Green Lantern. This was far before... Parallax was invented to be the yellow impurity. And I was waiting for a moment in this episode where Green Lantern would have mentioned that he can't use his ring on anything yellow because there were a few things that he was being that were being thrown at him that looked like they would be yellow and be the ring would be unable to work on them, but nope. Nothing just a yellow uh, construct that he made in a coloring error. So with all the weapons destroyed, the warring factions form a piece, and with that the Justice Leaguers leave. Pretty basic story about the Justice League brokering peace and saving the solar system. You know, until the end, only the Flash and Adam had to be sidelined because the story didn't have any use for them. It it used um, the Flash and the Adam to their strengths when it needed to, but then it didn't use them when they didn't need them. And the Flash and the Adam just kind of hung back and let the spacefaring heroes do their job. And you know, if Batman was in this league, Green Lantern would have been carrying him around in a... In a power bubble so to speak but what i love the most about this episode was seeing superman in charge he's you know we're gonna see in all three of these episodes that he is definitely center of this justice league so we're gonna move right on to target earth a criminal warlord named rom next uses a gravity device to attack earth the justice league is warned in time by a rebel named val Carr. just some quick notes before i get into the uh description of this episode is that ted knight provides the voice of val Carr. What's interesting about this is that he also provided the voice for a character in uh, the Super Friends season one episode, Too Hot to Handle, which you'll be hearing uh, at some time next year. 
in which he used the exact same voice, and he's also involved in a story where the Earth is being moved closer to the sun. So we'll take a quick better look at that when I cover that during the Super Friends, but perhaps uh, that story was reworked for the Super Friends for- format. Apparently, Flash uh, alluded to the Secret Sanctuary in this episode, referring to it as Headquarters. At that time, the Secret Sanctuary was the headquarters in the comics, so that could be a reference if you want it to be. This episode features one of the few times in which members of the Justice League kill the villain of the story. <laughs> Superman and Green Lantern both destroy some ships in this episode, which, I guess, led to the deaths of several alien invaders, unless, of course, the ships were automated. We are uh, never told uh, that there's anyone on the ship, but hey, in one of those Brainiac episodes, Superman didn't save all those circus animals when they got blew- blown up by Brainiac, so... Apparently, uh, killing things that we don't know are there are okay by Filmation standards. Nobody thought about the circus animals in that Filmation episode, and they died. You know, not necessarily at Superman's hands, but he made no effort to save them. But, and yeah, it is... I, di- I didn't think of this when I watched the episode, but... And kudos to, I believe this was Wikipedia for providing the notes for this. That, yeah, Superman Angry Lantern probably did kill some alien invaders when they uh, punched the spaceships. You know, which... It's one of those things that's, uh, and you, you know, you see this all the time in, you know, science fiction movies like Star Wars, or Star Wars is more fantasy, but, or Battlestar Galactica, you know, or any, any time when there's fighter pilots in fighter, in starfighters, you know, sometimes it's, while the ships are blowing each other up, it's easy to forget that there are pilots on those ships who lose their lives when the thing, when the vessel is destroyed. I mean, since here it's just Superman and Green Lantern punching spaceships. I'm not sure anybody thought about the fact that there might have actually been people on them. I don't know. So, and when the league's on, and in typical cheap animation fashion, when the league is on Earth, the background is the same as it was in the previous episode. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And the end scene of the league leaving is almost exactly the same, except with uh, Valcard hanging there. So, let's get into this episode, which starts with a spaceship crashing on Earth, eerily similar to the previous episode. Except this time, there are a bunch of ships following it, and it looks like some kind of invasion or pursuit. And, you know, as I'm watching these episodes, my eyes go from my Word document on the screen and back and forth to the screen where I'm watching the episode. And when I'm taking notes on this on these, on this episode, at first I thought when I look at some of these spaceships, I could have sworn I saw Star Trek's USS Enterprise in there. The side view is rather similar with a round front and an upright and winged out nacelles. But these ships don't have the vertical neck in it that the Enterprise did, and the saucer is just on a straight plane with the rest of the ship. So, this ship under attack somehow knows how to call the Justice League. Maybe he made a previous trip to Earth. So, here comes Superman and Green Lantern. The Lantern does what he does, protecting the ship with his ring. Strange note about Green Lantern, and I didn't notice this in the previous episode. His mask is black, and not like not green like it normally is. And I guess that's kind of in line with the comic books of the time, as in many of the uh, 19, late 60s era books, Green Lantern's mask did look black. You know, with kind of a green uh, tip on the nose. I always kind of took that to assume that perhaps the mask was in shadow and the nose portion kind of came out into the light. So, but no, in this episode, the mask is all black. So I guess you can kind of see that any way you like. Maybe it's comics accurate. Maybe it isn't. There's just, I always believe that the comics intended for the mask to be green and the black just is kind of a shadow, but maybe it's supposed to be black. I don't know. It's definitely green nowadays when the Green Lantern actually has a mask on. So, here, Superman goes after the fleet and destroys one ship. And some of the dialogue in this episode is stilted. I have no issues with the villain's conversation. But there is one exchange where Superman and Green Lantern are complimenting each other. And the dialogue just seems phoned in. So now these villains are shooting magnetic missiles into the sun and pulling Earth into the sun. And the alien is telling the League, Rom Rom Nix, a criminal from his world, is going to pull Earth into the sun. And it looks like, and like I mentioned, it looks like they're on the same desert as they were in the previous episode, and as the note above says, that they... There is no time to lose. 
Romnex, a criminal warlord banished from my world, has planted a magnetic device to draw Earth closer to the sun. Then he will attack in force. It's already begun. Yes, it's getting hot. We've got to work fast. Or, and uh, with the Earth being drawn toward the sun, we are watching the ice caps, the ice caps melt and the Amazon is dying. So the Earth is uh, warming very quickly. And now here's Superman giving more orders. Flash, you and the Atom track down and break up that Magno missile. Check. Hang on, Squirt. Hawkman, the Alcar is yours. Take him to a safe place. There's no safer place than my orbiting spaceship. Let's go. You hold off the invaders, Green Lantern. I'll push the Earth back. Okay, I'm off. Flash and Adam get to destroy the weapons. Hawkman is protecting Valkar, and Green Lantern gets the invaders, and, and Superman is actually going to push the Earth back into orbit. I mean, he even asks Mother Earth not to fight him as he's pushing the planet. You can't get much more Silver Rage than that. While Green Lantern is fighting all the spaceships, Flash and Adam will go for the missile. Apparently, uh, Flash ran around the world six times before finding the weapon, and with that bright orange beam, you'd think it would be easier to find than to be able to go right toward it. So the atom goes small to uh, destroy the machine from within. But I just can't get over the small jokes made at the expense of the atom. In the previous episode, he was not just, he was just called Squirt. In this episode, he starts with Squirt. Flash has also called him Peanut and Mighty Mite in this episode. For the record, my daughter was a Mighty Mite cheerleader this year. She's six. I believe once upon a time that division was called the Squirts. So take that for whatever it does for you. And no one, on any condition, no matter how young you are, should be calling the Flash Flasheroo. I can only imagine what the Atom calls the other leaguers. So the weapons destroy, the Earth was put back, and Superman and Green Lantern go after the, after the spaceships. After pushing the Earth, this should be child's play for Superman, and it is, as he punches a few ships, kills some aliens, and saves the Earth from utter disaster. And the invaders are repelled, Flash fights off the guys on the ground with a burst of speed. And this is where we learn that Romnex wants to occupy Earth, and in a very bad pun, somebody says that he gets to occupy Earth in prison. Romnex wanted to occupy Earth. Well, he got his wish. Only he'll be occupying it in a prison cell. I'll return you to your world, Valkar, where you'll be a real hero. Perhaps. But I shall tell them that the true heroes are the Justice League of America. Uh, same writers as the Superman episodes, same bad puns. So Valkar goes home to tell everybody what great heroes the rest of the Justice League is. It looks as though the League runs off in the same animation as it did in the last episode, so... Filmation is definitely using its skill at reusing cells for multiple episodes, and why wouldn't they, you know, save them money? So, that was an okay, if forgettable episode. Second of the three Justice League episodes, and we've gotten two alien invasion stories. So I was hoping for something a little different with the third and final installment. <laughs> Bad Day on Black Mountain. This was written by Dennis Marks. Original broadcast date was September 29th, 1967. And our synopsis is as follows. A malevolent warlord named Mastermind lures the Justice League to a trap on a mammoth desert mesa so that they will not interfere with his plan to take over Earth. So this one starts at Clark Kent's office in the Daily Planet building. Clark Kent, I know you are Superman. Who is this? Meet me at the top of Black Mountain immediately or I will expose you. And uh, the rest of the league gets the same call as well. Like I mentioned, this is when we see The Flash as Barry Allen, Hawkman as Carter Hall, Green Lantern as test pilot Hal Jordan, and The Atom as 
scientist Ray Palmer. So no one knows who's uh, doing this to them, and we, they're uh, standing on a plateau, and they get a nice visit from a floating head calling itself the Mastermind. Anybody know who's the Joker who knows our secret identities? Beats me. Me too. Likewise. There's your answer. I am Mastermind, and I have lured you superheroes from your posts so that you will not interfere with my master plot to take over your planet. A plot which is now in operation. Look. Earth's largest rocket at Cape Grand is at this moment being subjected to my ultrasonic conversion beams, which will explode it and the entire rocket base. Great galaxy. Now, see the water surrounding the city of Metropolis burst into flame, which will destroy it. <laughs> Missiles, each speeding to a pre-programmed Earth target. If you try to stop those attacks, members of the Justice League, you will be destroyed. That's what you think, Mastermind. And now they're trapped on a plateau, and he has some kind of weapon fo focused on the rocket base. There's a city, I believe it's Metropolis, surrounded by fire. So he's got everything covered in the event that the Justice League tries to leave the plateau. And remember before when I mentioned that the, these episodes were doing a good job at using the Justice League as to their strength? Not here. This might be the first on-screen appearance of the entire Justice League trope of, getting, of taking Superman out of the picture. As Superman putting no thought into his actions, he tries to ram the floating head and disappears. There's an explosion. He disappears. We don't know what happened to him. And with Superman out of commission, the rest of the league goes to save the world without him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So Superman ends up a prisoner of Mastermind and is locked in a kryptonite room. Where am I? You are on an uncharted asteroid, Superman. For I have spent years perfecting my master plot. You wasted your time. I think not, Superman. Oh, oh. Kryptonite. <laughs> Within hours, the concentrated intensity of the kryptonite radiation will rob you of all your superpowers completely and forever! <laughs> Strength going. So, looks like he's out of commission for a while. The, uh, the Flash gets stuck in some quicksand before getting freed by the Atom, so... They take care of the weapon, you know, and it does show the Flash's one weakness. If you could take his ground out from under him, you can kind of slow him down a little bit. If Superman is afraid of kryptonite, I would imagine that the Flash cringes at the sight of marbles. So Hawkman takes care of the missiles, and Green Lantern works on the fire with the help of Hawkman as they put out the fire around Metropolis. Hawkman tries to uh, smother it with his ring, and good to see the League is working well together. Meanwhile, Superman is getting weaker and weaker while the League figures out how to rescue him from a booby-trapped room. <laughs> you two get here? We were teleported. Same as Superman. Where's he? My radar vision shows him under this floor, in a room filled with kryptonite. We've got to get him out, fast. Yes, and when you lift the trap door, you will trip a booby trap that will create a galactic cataclysm. Stand away. I'll hit it with my power beam. No, don't. My radar vision shows a detonating device attached to the trap door. What can we do? Leave it to me. Got to take it easy. Slowly. There! All clear! Fire away, GL! Come on! Let's get him out of there! 
Now, I don't know if this is something from the comics, but apparently Hawkman has radar vision. I have never heard of that, but it could be a comics thing. I have not read enough Hawkman to be sure. If you have, let me know, manofscreen at gmail.com. And the Atom is going to go small, and he will defuse the bomb and allow the rest of the League to rescue Superman. So, being that the heroes have frustrated his plan so far, the Mastermind is going to perform a complete act of absolute spite. And he's going to destroy the Earth by sending an asteroid careening into the planet. Nice guy. Can't get what he wants. Here comes an asteroid. So, now that he's out of his uh, kryptonite room, which he got there through the strength of his own stupidity, Superman takes charge of the matter and uh, deflects the asteroid away from Earth and directly into the Masterline ship. And that kind of ends the episode. Not even uh, one of those uh, cute filmation little coda endings. They just, it just kind of stops. Maybe they ran out of uh, seven minutes. So, again, a third space episode. Not a terrible story, but it does use the trope of taking Superman out. But I guess when this is this was written, it wasn't that much of a trope yet, despite there already being about maybe eight or so years of Justice League comics. So, it is what it is. These weren't strong uh, Justice League stories, but they were good enough for guest uh, episodes on the Superman and Aquaman Hour of Adventure. Yeah. Next time, we're going to go back to Superman episodes. We'll start Season 3 with... The Superman stories, Luthor's Lethal Laser, and Can a Luthor Change His Spots? You will notice that I've only mentioned two Superman episodes, and I'm going to talk about this more on during the opening of next week's episode. It's still the same amount of Superman. In Season 3, the Superman episodes are all two-parters. So I'll talk about the format, ch- format change next week, as I also cover the Superboy episodes. Forget Me Not Superdog, and Superboy Meets Mighty Lad. So, in the meantime, you can send some feedback to me. Feedback is always welcome. You can send that to manascreen at gmail.com. You can leave a message over in the uh, Facebook group. Just put Man of Screen Podcast into your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Screencast. So, until next time, folks. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. <laughs>